It's July 31st, 2019, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Shane Esselstein, and joining him is Nathaniel Eslin, and they're both from the Hawaii School, Hawaii Society for Technology and Education, and they're going to provide us with a couple of updates. And then we have Ted Ralston, and uh, we also have uh, George Purdy, who's going to join us on the line. And Ted is, uh, Ted is with the Applied Research Labs over at University of Hawaii. He's going to tell us about the High Altitude Platform Service. But before we get into that, first up, I want to welcome Shane Esselstein and Nathaniel Evslin back here on Bike Marsh Cafe. Here's, and they're both here to tell us about the uh, Hawaii Society for e- Technology in Education, HSTE. And, of course, this is the first time we've actually been talking about uh, HSTE. Absolutely. And I want either one of you to tell me. Well, okay, so Nathaniel, you're a past president. Shane is a current president. So we got the, you know, we got the president's <laughs> club here. So who wants to tell me a little bit about the history of HST and, and how long has it been around? Um, so the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education has been around as an organization for about uh, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, started as another nonprofit, but it ends to the affiliate of the International Society for Technology and Education. So we're the Hawaii affiliate. Um, and it started with some passionate board members um, who are passionate about technology and education in Hawaii and wanting to advance that. Um, it's a great organization with public, private, and charter schools um, all working together. Um, so our board's comprised of all of that. And then our members, we have about 800 members in the state of Hawaii. And, and who is the membership? What is the membership composed of? Our membership's mostly um, educators in Hawaii, a lot of teachers. Um, we get a lot of members through the Schools of the Future Conference, and that's mm-hmm. where they hear about who we are and what we're doing. And this is uh, pretty much for the uh, sort of K through 12? Absolutely, team? yeah. Uh, we do a lot of work with K to 12, but that's not to say that we exclude our uh, college mm-hmm. you know, constituents, and we would like to enjoy them, having them join us as well. So the uh, the twelve years uh, has been um, has have you seen a lot of growth? I mean, if you think about twelve years ago, uh, I don't think there were smartphones around back then, <laughs> right? I mean, there were flip phones. So so things have changed quite a bit, even in the short span of twelve years. Absolutely. Have you seen a, sort of a growth in your membership? Um, you know what? Uh, our membership has um, has actually grown quite a bit, um, and our active members we're seeing a lot more active members come out now. So. Um, one of the things that we want to focus on this year is providing more professional develop- development mm-hmm. um, and by talking to our membership about what it is they're looking for. So what kind of ed tech tools, things like that, are they looking to bring back to the classroom to help their job be easier or help reach kids, you know, be, make more engaging, that kind of stuff. So. Well, be, I do want to ask you about some of the uh, tech that you are doing your your sort of professional development on. but. Uh, Nathaniel, there's a rebranding going on. I mean, Shane's been telling me this, I don't know, for like the last couple of years. What, <laughs> what's the rebranding and why, why now? So I think why now? We've had the same logo, same website for the past 12 years, um, and we have a new board. We had a lot of our board members term out, the previous board members. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of fresh faces on the board um, in the last past few years, and we just feel it's really time um, to get our name out there a little bit more, and we thought a rebranding would help us do that um, to really get out there in the community. So, Shane, I mean, can you characterize the rebrand? What does it What does it capture? Yeah, we um, we went right back to the to the grassroots of it and, and looked at our vision and our mission statement and saw that does this actually match with what we're trying to do? You mm-hmm. know, what we're trying to accomplish. Does it align with what ISTE is trying to accomplish as well? And um, we sat as a as a general board and we we talked about all of it and looked at it. Had our rewrites and rewrites and finally came up with a, bunch, a new logo, new website 
new vision and mission, and a lot of new programs that we're doing. So another fantastic thing we're doing. Well, when we talk about the PD, I'll, I'll share about that. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Tell me. Yeah. I mean, uh, jump into it. Uh, right. What are some of the tech, tech that you're getting getting teachers or participants uh, more involved in? Right. So um, one of the, th- the next workshop we're going to have is actually um, on August 17th, Saturday, August 17th, and it's a microbits workshop. Mm-hmm. So bringing physical computing into the classroom. Um, following that, we have an AR VR workshop on September 7th. And we have Schools of the Future coming up, which is a big part of what we do. We're both we're going to be running a computer science playground as well as an AR VR playground. Um, this year, we also adopted all the ed camps. So when you hear about ed camps in Hawaii, there's uh, five of them, as far as I know, and we've adopted them this year. So we're actually a, a primary sponsor for those ed camps. Oh, very good. So Nathaniel, like in terms of some of the things that you have uh, incorporated over at Island School on Kauai, what are what are some of your favorites? Um, some of my, I really like the microbits. We were exposed to that last year. Uh, microbits have been a lot of fun, just getting the kids to have their hands on, seeing what they're programming. Um, and the microbit can do physical response, so actually kids can tilt it in um, different directions and has a little LED screen, so it's really neat what the kids can do with that. Um, and I also think just a big part of HISTE is thinking about the future of education mm-hmm. and where education's going as our world is changing so rapidly. Um, so that's kind of a big excitement for me is what is education going to look like in the next 15, 20 years? So with regard to that, how does your organization get involved with the schools of the future? Um, so Shane and I are both on the planning committee for the schools of the future conference, mm-hmm. um, which is the largest education conference in Hawaii. About 2000 um, people go to it every year and it's a great two day conference um, with a day before it, the leading schools of the future for school leaders to really look at it. And it's all about you know, where is education going and how can we best serve our students in, mm-hmm. in many different capacities? Shane, you want to share where people can sign up for Schools of the Future? Absolutely. You can uh, visit our new website at uh, www.histe.org, H-S-T-E.org. And if you have questions or, in, or anything you want to know about us, let us know at info at histe.org. And in terms of the, uh, the PDs, uh, the, you know, professional development uh, courses, they can find that on the website right as well. Right there on the website, front page, yep. Oh, very All good. Okay, well, hey, I want to thank you both for uh, joining us. Uh, we got Shane, Nathaniel, and uh, thanks for joining us on Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks for having us. And, of course, so we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by our good friend and drone expert, Ted Ralston, and we're going to be talking about the high-altitude platform surface. This is Bite Marks Cafe. <laughs> Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us is Ted Ralston, and we have George Purdy on the line. Ted is the Director of Unmanned Aerial Systems over at the Applied Research Laboratory at the University of Hawaii. And George is the Lanai Community Leader and also involved with the HAPS Project. Welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks a lot, Bert. Hello, Bert. How's it? How's it? So, and then, uh, Yes, George. Oh, this is George Purdy. I'm also with uh, Drone Services Hawaii. Oh, okay, okay. Well, you know. I'm the co-owner with Mike Elliott. Very good. Okay, drone services, good good deal. You know, 
you got to talk to your guy, Ted. He didn't send me your CV, but that's okay. It's a secret, that's why. <laughs> okay. So I want you to first tell me a little bit about the HAPS project, just to frame it up as to what it is. So maybe, Ted, you can, you can start up. I think we can start that way, but uh, I'd, I'd like to really think of this as a community effort, community mm-hmm. event. And um, I think the big picture here is that we introduce new technology or new programs. We really have to consider the, te- the community that they're being embedded in, the services to the community, the involvement, the, pot- the potential participation in the future and things like this, especially in something like this. It's an airplane program. It, it goes everywhere. So I, that's why I wanted George to uh, be with us on this show. Mm-hmm. And George has been a incredible community leader for the last eight years since I've known him on the island of Banai, which you might think of as an isolated island, but it's actually totally included in the in the framework of drone development uh, through George. So let me just uh, have George speak up a little bit about the uh, community aspects, and we'll, then we'll talk about the technical aspects of the program after that. Okay, sure, George. You wanna you wanna jump in and and give us a sense of uh, what the what the project's all about. Yeah, so the project that we got here was a uh, a light at the end of the tunnel from a drone program that we started at Lanai High and Elementary mm. through Women in Technology. We were one of the first schools to introduce Drone 101. So during those after-school programs, and I mean after-school, not embedded in school, is that these kids came out, I introduced them to drones, terminology, flight characteristics, and what they can be used for, and then had, you know, all the kids asked, hey, uncle, uh, where do I take this one day? I'm learning all of these things. Where do I go? And I said, well, uncle's developing a company. I'll hire you one day. But then I'm just a small little company. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking on how do I get the carrot at the end of the cart so the horses will go somewhere? Mm-hmm. So basically, with Drone Services Hawaii, I traveled the planet went to conferences. Uh, I was one of the first to get their Section 333 FAA certification to fly drones in the Pacific legally. And my exemption was one of the first that really talked about community involvement, STEM, and first responder response in using drones. And we're number 500 in the whole nation. And we're the first to ever mention it. And I was announced and given my UAV operators certificate at a major conference in Alaska, and I became an Alaska partner and expanding the Pan-Pacific test range. Well, you know, George, what's interesting is that, you know, when when we talk about drones, <clears throat> and especially how I think about, uh, you know, what the services that the drone services does, I'm thinking kind of personal, the personal drone. But the, 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 the HAPS project is a little bigger than a personal drone, right? I mean, you know, we're talking several magnitudes uh, of order uh, bigger than a personal drone. Uh, let me that's just uh, take true, a crack at that. But it links the pathway from education that's in school, and it will give our kids right here to see where they can go. That's what was missing in Hawaii. That is the momentum that was missing in our STEM programs. We all I've, I've been watching STEM for the last five, six years, mm-hmm. but where does it go? Right. Especially in the drones, we're in the middle of the Pacific. We have islands that have infrastructure, no infrastructure. Only drones can get into these places. So with all the tech that the school is teaching, we need a vehicle to allow our students to collaborate, create teams to go out there and problem solve. And I just chased the HAPS project. They found me 
through our, all of our connections and uh, conferences around the world, and because I understand the FAA requirements of what a test site was, it opened up Lanai to me in fitting all the requirements. I just needed to educate folks that it's possible here, and I got it here. No, no, that's great. That's a great uh, connector because you're absolutely right. I mean, I see a lot of interest in drones. I see a lot of uh, businesses starting up, and I would typically think, oh, you know, it's for maybe, uh, you know, disaster uh, recovery and looking at aerial shots, uh, you know, perhaps using it for some entertainment. But those are all pretty much the the pers- use of personal drones. And, yeah. and with the HAPS project, I mean, you're taking it to a whole nother level. And, and Ted, you want to yeah. share a little bit about HAPS? Certainly. Uh, I think the, the other aspect that's coming in here, I mean, George has the community set up. George has uh, connected things and, and uh, looking for a way to take what we started and hook it up to a future path, path educational pathway as, a, as, a, as well as uh, employment pathway for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now we have the, the project that's come in, and the project uh, is, t- is uh, well-suited to the situation of Lanai. Lanai is flat, first of all, so you can land and take off in very short distances on these kind of solar electric-powered aircraft. Uh, the location of Lanai within the air traffic system in Hawaii is in an area that is uh, absent of a lot of traffic, and certainly at night when the operations will occur, there is no traffic. And to the southwest of the island, there's a corridor we can get out and then climb into the stratosphere. So Lanai, in all of the United States, is perfectly suited for this type of aircraft. So it's kind of a happy marriage. George has the community set with the expectations and the kids and everybody wanting to be in the, involved in this and has created a basis of understanding. And now we have a project that's coming mm-hmm. in that can take advantage of that as well as the physical laydown of the island. And then every, every, it's a win-win because... Uh, we get to develop the technology. Hawaii could, or Lanai and Hawaii can become a hub in this future expanding capability. And it's a superb educational and, uh, and uh, 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 economic opportunity for the island and the state. Uh, in my mind, it, there's no reason that Lanai couldn't develop into a hub of stratospheric ops, similar to the way Maui has developed into a hub for space ops. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a very high correlation between the two. And you know the uh, the when I look at the HAPS drone, I mean I I <clears throat> recall what the Solar Impulse looked like, and it was a pretty large uh, um, drone that was like you said solar powered. And for for uh, Lanai, I mean, George, I mean, what what type of uh, facility would would need to be able to you know be the the landing and takeoff? Uh, runways for these uh, these these big drones. So what we created on Lanai is actually a circle runway, one thousand feet. Okay. And it'll be clay dirt circle with a three thousand foot overrun, but it only needs just about three hundred feet to take off because we're taking off in zero wind. Mm-hmm. According to the manufacturer, as wide as this aircraft is, that's all the space it really needs to take off. And the other part with HAPS with the high altitude, what we've coming up with on Lanai, our question is, what is the status on this ag land after 29 years after Pineapple left? Because mm-hmm. if you've seen and known all the fires that's happening on Maui after big agriculture left, it's a public safety and health issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with our program that we're setting up with University of Hawaii and putting sensors all over the land, if you treat the land like a patient, 
just think about going to the doctor, getting EKGs put all over you to find out what is your baseline. Mm -hmm. That's what HAPS is bringing to us. So if we can heal the land like a human being, you know, a healthy island equals healthy people. That's mm -hmm. what HAPS bring. And right now we've got poor communications. You know, just having that thing fly over us and give us 100% connectivity all around the island, you, you save lives. And I had incidences where my own child was had an accident and all I had was a blimp where he was. And that's the only clue I had because we have poor connectivity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's multitude of things. But I'm taking the technology in a professional manner with Hawaiian values and applying it to the science and what DOE and STEM has done and now focusing all that energy and having our kids actually learn where we live. Wow, that's great. So so can you share a little bit about the, the timing of of where you are with the with the pilot and and what what do you envision as being the the pathway to production? I can uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, again, UH has a, uh, a services contract with the sponsor to get this to go forward. Uh, so we really are using uh, that contract to gain information on the program. We don't have the detailed inside information on the program because that isn't what our responsibility is. But in general. Phase one is just a proof of concept. Is this all going to work? Is the air traffic management going to work? Is the land situation going to work? Is the weather predictability going to work? Can we actually operate at night off this uh, grass field, get up in the stratosphere and fly for 30 days, and then come back? That's the mission for this proof of concept. At the same time, that proof of concept will be determining or collecting uh, information from sensors placed around the, uh, uh, the uh, Lanai Hale watershed, which mm -hmm. is the Monolay Valley and such to determine if we can, in fact, verify that we can get down into these deep valleys and get information that you can't otherwise get because of low connectivity. So those are the two aspects of the proof of concept. Does it work aerodynamically? Does it work electronically? Once that's all done, that's phase one. That'll be through this year. Then the question has to be asked, okay, can we get this airplane configuration certified? The FAA has no certification standards for this type of aircraft. So we have to go through a collective operation with the FAA to, A, develop the certification standards, and, B, certify the aircraft at the same time. That'll probably be a two-year program, and if it makes sense from a, from a capability and it makes sense from a business perspective, that will pr pr proceed ahead for the next two years. After that, with a certified system, then you can consider going into commercial operation and still maintaining all the public safety and the watershed and the uh, environmental collection of information at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a three-phase thing. Each phase, you got to decide if you're going to continue on to the next phase. So everything is sort of removable. If we can't get past the first phase, then we just take everything out. The grass grows back in the field, and we're back to a ex-pineapple field. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to I do want to ask you folks both uh, about <clears throat> how does the local community get involved at this stage of the game? Because again. We're at an early stage, but how do you engage the community at this point in time? I want to hold that thought. We'll be right back of this uh, short break to continue our conversation with both uh, Ted Ralston and George Purdy. We're talking about the High Altitude Platform Service on Lanai. This is Bite Marks Cafe.
Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Ted Ralston and George Purdy about the high-altitude platform service happening on Lanai, which is in its its sort of early uh, prototype um, stage. And, you know, right before the break, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the phases that this project will go through. And at this early phase, George, can you give me an idea as how can the community kind of get involved now to be a part of how the development of this, uh, you know, I think it's a really cool project. How do they get involved at this stage of the game? Well, so we have a lot of the kupuna, a lot of experts in town that actually come out and volunteer. We take care of the field. We uh, help uh, uh, take care of projects around the tent. Uh, when school starts, we're very tight with our principal mm-hmm. and we have stem teachers that now have actually a physical form where we, they can have field trips and it's only 10 minutes away from the school so we have folks that come out there and volunteer time and help lay tile uh, mitigate the grounds pick up sticks and mow the lawn because mm-hmm. it's a giant grass field so we use a lot of recyclable materials from the island that we didn't throw in the dump you know we've got tons of material that Instead of going in our waste, we're using it and recycling it out in our airfield. So it has a lot of Hawaiian values. So a lot of folks come out, bring carpentry skills, electric skills, and it's a nice transitional. Once construction is done, these folks who come out and give time can now figure out maybe how can I compete in this industry, and we'll help them develop that uh, vocational skills to transition. Mm-hmm. Then when the next generation come up, they can take over where their parents left off. So, in, so that's it, what I'm trying to develop. So during this uh, period of, of kind of the proof of concept, is there is there a build? Is there a building or some kind of you know construction that needs to take place? Oh, we actually put up a building. It's 300 feet by 55 feet, and it'll hold two aircraft. So when the aircraft actually gets here, they, when they assemble it, We'll invite the community to come down and shadow all these engineers and watch what they do in, in assembling the aircraft. So when Ted mentioned about something that the future of this place could do, you know, it, we could be assembling uh, solar power electric aviation aircraft in this island. Mm-hmm. Who no, knows? That, yeah, no, that's and great. It's assembling, yeah, that's where we're focused on. And we have an industrial park that's 22 acres that has nothing on it. It's a spark of growth that could happen when you can bring 3D printers, all these lathing machines, all these new materials, and we can assemble the aircraft. We don't have to build all the parts here, but these manufacturers can actually send it to Lanai, and we can assemble the aircraft and send it off somewhere in the world. Because of our 30-degree latitude, a lot of sun, it makes sense for Hawaii to be leading in solar power aviation. So I, what I, um, George and and uh, Ted, I mean, UH is involved with this, right? So, what George has just described are some of the sort of the technical uh, expertise that you are going to need to to continue to support and manage the ongoing uh, operations of the HAP system. What is what is UH involved in now, and how is UH supporting this kind of going into the future? Okay, uh, UH, um, again, as I said, has a service agreement to help uh, uh, get the this shelter, this fabric shelter up that George referred to as a building. It's actually a fabric uh, uh, cat to shelter. And uh, the ex- expertise that uh, Tim Williams and others others have developed with the Hawaii Space Flight Lab has mm-hmm. led to the that selection to go ahead and have them take care of installing this uh, temporary structure. 
Uh, but beyond that, there is no end of technology needed to make stratospheric systems work. We're talking about materials, talking about uh, condensation of uh, salt, uh, air on, on electronic structure, talking about uh, six months in the stratosphere where you're baking on one side with the sun and freezing on the other side. So electronic systems, uh, fragile as it may be, structural systems surviving in that environment can take a lot of engineering to get to that point. So there's that. There's also the communication side of it, the uh, microwave uh, waveform and the antenna design and all those things that UH has already had meetings with the, with the sponsor. And there could be work, work task projects coming to UH that develop those elements of technology. Beyond that, we have a pretty good knowledge of the local uh, air traffic system and how air traffic is managed here in Hawaii, which is unique in all the country. And so that's an essential ingredient as well here. So there's a couple of different functions that UH has that contribute to the, the whole thing occurring. So, you know, in terms of the, the funders of, of this project and the milestones that need to be met, uh, either one of you, I mean, what is it that needs to, what do we need to make sure happens so that this continues to not only exceed the expectation of its uh, proof of concept, but you know, continue to get funded so that it gets to that production level. What do we need to do to make sure that this is a success? That's an interesting question and, of course, something that, that we pay attention to every day. Because mm-hmm. unlike a grant or a government program which runs on an annual cycle or something like that, this thing runs on a daily cycle. This is a competitive business. Airbus is in it. Boeing's in it. Uh, uh, Haps Mobile's in it. So this is a competition for the future. And competition doesn't wait for annual schedules. Competition needs to show success and progress and capability of solving problems or they're going to go somewhere else. So we have to keep our our eye on the readiness of the site, ready to perform when the aircraft show up. Aircraft showing up here is not something we can can, uh, schedule. We don't have any control of that. The first testing is being done at NASA, NASA Armstrong, to verify structure and flight controls and all the necessary ingredients of uh, flight operations. When that's completed, and only when that's completed, will these aircraft come out here. Mm-hmm. So we have that, uh, that aspect of time. We have the, uh, the site preparation that George mentioned, and we have the weather prediction. We've got to be able to get, uh, predict zero winds and, and, uh, and also uh, work on our what we call a certificate of authorization with the FAA to manage the air traffic. So there's like four channels going in parallel here. Our job is to make them all arrive at the same time, and we're looking at September, October to be ready. Hey, George, real quickly, uh, what is the top of mind uh, uh, urgency or priority that you have today? For us today is uh, flexibility in government and flexibility of the community to gain to get educational access where they can come out, voice their opinions, and learn about what we want to do. And coming across these types of big projects here to feed them the information that they need to make a wise choice of, is this good for my community? Right. And have that community layer to be the balance and the gatekeeper. So for everybody out there, I am that community leader here that maintains that balance, and I will educate anybody who comes up to me and asks. And I take everybody's opinion very, very seriously. I take a lot of this training from the fire service. Okay, good deal. Hey, Ted, where can people find out more information? Uh, Let me ask George to uh, give the uh, Facebook uh, identification. Okay. 
I'll put that up on our show notes. You okay. can give it to me later. Ted Ralston is the director of Unmanned Aerial Systems over at the Applied Research Lab, University of Hawaii. George Purdy is the Lanai community leader and also works for Drone Services Hawaii. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Bert. Okay, thank you, Bert. And thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about artificial intelligence in education. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.